Hello, hello. Welcome back to Irrepressible. I am Erica Ashley, your host. This week, I have Emily Ferrone on the podcast. Emily is a holistic health coach. She also has a background in interior design, branding, graphics, you name it, she has been in it. And she has an incredible eye for aesthetics, which I really appreciate. She's also the owner and creator of Dearly Co., a blog that I actually contribute to. And we talked about so many different things in this episode, and there are so many good takeaways for you. We talked about what it means to be a holistic health coach and how she helps her clients and what that really means, who might need one and why you might want one. We talked about being a solopreneur, as I like to call it, someone who is an entrepreneur but really does everything themselves and wears lots of different hats. We talked about where to start with branding if you are creating a brand or a business, where to start with aesthetic, how color theory comes into play, whether you need to niche down or not. And she also shares about what it's been like traveling around the country in Airbnbs with her fiance every month. And she just has really great perspective on life, really good tips that are tangible, usable, that you can apply. And I think just all around, she has such good intention with everything that she's trying to do. And I'm so excited to introduce you to her and to Dearly Co. I think you will love them both. So with that, here is Emily. I know that you are a holistic health coach. Mm -hmm. I want to start there. I want to start with how you got into that and if you could explain kind of what it is. Yeah. So I got into it kind of in a roundabout way because I mean, I'm a designer. I have that going for me. I've always been a creative and had either display artist roles or I'm an interior designer and also do graphic design and branding. And so that was really, I mean, that's my job. That's really where I always was. But in those creative careers, I really struggled with burnout. And so when the pandemic happened, we kind of had that time to slow down. And I knew I wasn't like at a burnout level yet, but I was definitely getting there. And it's funny, one of my friends had mentioned to me about this girl who had a podcast and she was a health coach. And she was like, for some reason, you just really remind me of her. You should like follow this girl on Instagram. And so I did. And then when we had that slow time during the pandemic, I just kind of found her page again. And I was like, I'm going to reach out to this girl about being my health coach. I don't really know what it is, but for some reason, I feel like I could benefit from this. And so I reached out to her, had my initial consult, and I just felt really good about it. I think for me, the thing that scared me was the health part of health coaching. It kind of throws people off. And so that's why I always like to add the holistic into it, just because for me, I felt pretty healthy. Like I was eating right, moving my body. That wasn't really where I, I guess the typical health felt unhealthy, but just, I was tired. I felt like my life didn't have a lot of balance to it. I didn't have a lot of intention behind the things that I did. And so I reached out to my health coach and really worked with her 
on just creating a balanced life and looking at health in that more holistic way. And so after working with her for a few months, I was like, this is fascinating to me. I was like, I just want to learn more about this. And so I enrolled in IIN, which is the health coaching program I did. And the reason I picked them is because they are holistic. And so they have this thing called the circle of life. And you go through all the different areas of your life from finance to career to spirituality to cooking, all the different areas. And so that's what I really like about health coaching is that a lot of people come to a health coach for different reasons, for different reasons. And so it's not necessarily that you want to lose weight. That's actually something I kind of stay away from because I don't have as strong of a background in that. I really work with people on finding that balance in their life or people that are going through a period of change and they just need somebody who's a constant that they can talk to about their life. And so when I'm working with my clients, we just meet every two weeks and it's just having that dedicated time to just talk about your life. That's what really I felt like was the most beneficial to me. It's just having that dedicated time where you're being intentional about your life and you're actually sitting and reflecting, I think is just so valuable. You're almost like a well-being coach. I know. I try to, I've tried to play kind of with the title because titles always feel weird to me in general. But yeah, I was like, am I, somebody mentioned like, you're almost like a lifestyle designer or like a holistic, like wellness designer coach. Cause coach kind of feels weird to me too, because (laughs) it really is such a collaborative process. And so I have the knowledge to kind of coach you through things, but it really is, it's not just me like lecturing you the whole Mm -hmm. time. It's really having that two-way dialogue and trying to figure out what works for you. Mm -hmm. So what do most people come to you for? Are they like, I'm tired. I don't feel good. I'm stressed. Yeah. So there's a few different, a few different I think periods in our life where people think they might need it. So one would be like a period of change I really find. So I work with a lot of people. I mainly work with women in their 20s just because I feel like that is such, it's you're just kind of figuring life out. And it's such an important time in your life to really get those good habits in place. And you kind of have the freedom to create your life. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I really focus. So a lot is that transition from, college to post-grad. I know I really struggled with that. Mm -hmm. And that could be, I mean, that could be three years out from post-grad and you could still feel like you need somebody to work with you on just creating a lifestyle that you want. Mm -hmm. Or another thing would be like, if you're moving or if you are feeling off in your career and you want a career switch, that's a good time to reach out to a health coach. Or if you are just feeling like tired and in a rut and you feel like you're not headed on the right track or even on a track at all. You just kind of feel like life's passing you by. And if you want to be a little bit more intentional and kind of take ownership of your life, I think that would be a good time to reach out to a health coach as well. Mm -hmm. So do you help people put like systems in place? Yeah, we do a lot of like implementing habits is a really big thing. Or even sometimes we'll just start with a morning routine. Mm. And so little things like that, and a lot of things, I'm a, 
I don't know, productivity nerd and like systems Same. person. And yeah. so I, I love doing stuff like that. And so trying to figure out what works for people mm-hmm. so that they can just either be more productive. I don't like to say that productivity is the most important thing because it's definitely not. I think just how you're feeling is the most important kind of metric. But yeah, we'll work on systems, habits. We'll work on just getting to be a little bit more intuitive is a big thing that a lot of people are trying to work on more now. Just being able to listen to your body and just have those reflective conversations. What does that look like? Sorry. What does that look like? Like, how do you tell somebody like, listen to your intuition, your body, things like that? Yeah. I've noticed a lot of people don't know how to slow down. Mm. So when we, I initially have these conversations with people. So in the first like consult, we'll go through that circle of life and I'll have them rate on a scale of one to 10, how they feel in that area. So I'll say, how do you feel about your career? People will be like "Mm, a five or it's kind of that just like surface level. Like this is my gut instinct. But I think the being intuitive is really breaking that down. Mm. And so I'll be asking more questions like, what do you know you should be doing, but you're not doing? Mm. Kind of like a little more of those, like a little deeper questions just to kind of get you thinking a little bit more. I'll say when you're at work and you're just sitting, like, how do you feel? Do you feel good? Are you anxious? just kind of getting them in that mindset to be a little bit more reflective because then hopefully that will carry into when I, they're not in a coaching session with me, when they're just at work and they have that couple seconds to just sit and feel the space around you. Does it feel just kind of cold? Do you feel like you need, I don't know, a little bit of happiness and joy there? Just those little questions to kind of have them sit back and so they can start asking themselves those questions to be more intuitive. I am a big proponent of like, trust your gut. I feel like yes. my gut's always right. Yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah. And so trying to teach people that to listen to their gut and not to question it as it, not trying to change what your gut is saying, but trying to just reinforce why it's saying that I yeah. think is really big. Oh, I love that. Why it's saying that. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. So do you, so the in-between time, because I know a lot of people work with coaches or do therapy or things like that. And there's always like something in between or like homework essentially. Right. What does the in-between time look like for a client? Yeah, that's a great question. So we try to leave every like meeting with a couple takeaways and a couple actionable things we can change. And so it might be like if someone's trying to get up earlier, mm-hmm. that that will be a big thing. You'll be like, I don't have enough time and I always sleep in. And so I'll be like, okay, well, we're going to slowly set our alarm earlier. It seems so simple, but it's if you don't do it, you're not going to get up earlier. And so trying to set your alarm earlier. And then also I'll be like, well, why aren't you going to bed at night? And they'll be like, well, I just have too many things on my mind. And so I'll say, why don't we have a notes, the notes app on your phone and just do a brain dump before you go to bed. Mm -hmm. And so start doing that every night. And so right before you go to bed, just all the things that are on your head 
or on your mind, just write them down in your notes app. And then when you get up in the morning, you don't feel tired or lost. You know that, oh, I have this notes app on my phone to look at, and that's going to help direct me throughout the day. Mm -hmm. So it'll be little things like that. So that might just be from one session where we talk about how you're tired all the time and you don't feel like you have enough hours in the day or your day's not consistent enough. We might just say, these are the two takeaways that we're going to do. And so we'll have those little like homeworks almost like you said. Yeah. I love that. So it's not like overwhelming. Correct. It's definitely not supposed to feel overwhelming. And one thing that I really talk to my clients about is building confidence. And one of the ways that I think is the best way to build confidence is to keep promises that you make to yourself. Mm -hmm. And so doing, I think making things more actionable and attainable is important so that you can actually do it and it can be sustainable. And so if that's working for you, great. And then maybe we'll add something on the next week. But if it's not working for you, we'll talk about another thing that works for you. And so I'll always ask like, hey, how's that going? And if it doesn't work, that's fine. We can try it the next couple of weeks again if we want to. But I think one of the big things about health coaching is the emphasis on bioindividuality. And so that's basically the idea that it's nothing is one size fits all. What works for me will not work for you. And so that's kind of where going to through a health coaching program helped me to learn about the different ways that I can help people. Because yeah, I'm, it might be great for me, but if it doesn't work for my clients, then it's nice to have that like tool bag of things to pull from. Absolutely. You mentioned morning routines and I know you said not what you just said, not everything is one size fits all, but I'm really curious yeah. what you specifically practice like yourself in a morning routine. Yeah. Routine. yeah. So that's actually one of the things and we could talk, get into this as well, but since we're traveling all the time, mm -hmm. when I was talking with my health coach before I left, I was like, I really need to get a morning routine, something that's constant for me while we are just traveling so much. And so my morning routine, I set an alarm, but it's kind of, I don't jump right out of bed, which I know works for a lot of people, but it does not work for me. I need kind of like that slow moment to kind of ready myself to get yeah. out of bed. And so I'll get out of bed. And then I first thing I do is brush my teeth. I can't not brush my teeth. So I brush my teeth and then wash my face, like skincare routine and everything. And then I'm normally taking my dog on a walk. It's something that is non-negotiable for me at this point, because it's just so good to clear my head and just have him to focus on before I check my emails or anything. I think going for a walk is the most underrated thing you can do for your health. Mm. I if that's always one of the things I start with is go for a walk and don't take your phone or take your phone, but don't look at it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'll have a podcast in if I feel like I do need something to kind of get me going a little bit more, or sometimes I'll just take in the neighborhood that we're in because we are moving so much. Mm -hmm. And so I do that. And then I'm a matcha person. And so I always make my matcha in the morning and kind of get that going. I'll sometimes have lemon water with it. And so I'll do that. And then I'll sit down. And thanks to you, 
I've started while I'm drinking my matcha doing my emails in the morning just because my emails can pile up. And so it's like while I'm enjoying my matcha, I'm also doing my emails. And then I use Notion to organize my life. And so I pop that up right away. I think that is really important for me, I've noticed, because I've been avoiding things like that, like ClickUp, Asana, all the, I don't even know what you call them, but organization apps. Mm -hmm. But now that I've found Notion and I do really like that. And so that really grounds me for the day and what I'm going to get done. And so that's my morning routine right now. It isn't super strict. Some days I'll tell myself the night before that I just need to read in the morning instead Mm -hmm. or listen to a podcast. And so I like to give myself that freedom to listen to myself and kind of see what I need. But I think the big things for me are just like getting ready for the day a little bit and then going on the walk and then having either matcha or lemon water to Mm -hmm. kind of start the day. I want to talk about your design business and everything you do with that because I know that's a big part of your life. Yeah. So I run Dearly Co. And it is a lifestyle blog and studio. And so our offerings in the studio are branding, interior design, and now health coaching. And so I always was a creative. My background in school is actually in advertising. So that's kind of where the like branding comes into it. So it's advertising and then studio art, but I concentrated in color theory. And so colors are a big thing for me in design. But after college, I actually worked at anthropology and I did merchandising and display art. So I was the girl in the window making the windows. Mm -hmm. And so I did that for a little bit. And then I worked at, for some reason, I always felt like drawn to interior design And so I was living up in Washington, D.C. at the time, and I just applied to a bunch of design firms, and I got one. And so that really, it was a very high-end, a smaller, but had really big projects design firm, and they really taught me everything about interior design. Mm -hmm. And so when we moved to Richmond, I didn't know what I was going to do. I just got a job at Anthropology doing the windows again. And I just started slowly taking on freelance clients. And I think I looked to work at a design firm there, but a lot of the firms were smaller. And I just, I don't know, nothing was feeling right. And I just started taking on clients through people I knew. And it kind of, at one point, I just was like, this is a little bit more legit than just a freelance thing on the side. And so I created Dearly. and. I I always had a blog component to it, but when I worked on the rebrand, which was basically started because I was going through this health coaching program and I met up with another branding designer and I was just like, how do I take these two different worlds that people don't normally put together and make it into one thing? Hmm. And i was like, I think a lot of creatives could really benefit from health coaching. And I was like, I see some alignment here. I was like, my design style is very intentional and all about how it can function for my clients. I was like, and that's really how my health coaching is. I was like, I feel like there has to be some way to connect it. And so we kind of talked it through and 
it really is. Dearly is all about just living a holistically designed life. And so living a life by design, not by default is something Mm -hmm. we say a lot. And so really taking ownership and being able to empower yourself to be like, I can not only design my house the way I want it to and make it feel good, but I can also design the life that I want. And so really just working with clients through that. And then the blog side of it is a lifestyle blog that I have contributors that are specialties in all these different fields, and they just give such valuable content. And I just love having, I just love that it's bigger than just me. Mm. I think that was something I was really looking for. I want a community since we don't live in one place. It's not like I have a community with me all the time. So having that online is really important. And I think especially after coming off the pandemic, I was like, I just feel like there's a need for this. I don't have something like this that I want Mm -hmm. or that I really go to. There's a couple like lifestyle blogs I liked, but they were for people a little bit older than me. And so it was, it just felt a little bit off. And so I wanted something for my target audience of people in their twenties, trying to figure life out, trying to create the life that they want and just different ways to implement a better life for themselves. So that's dearly. (laughs) A life by design, not by default. That's so good. Yeah. I, it's just, and it just feels so right when you think about that. Cause I think a lot of the people I work with or people that I want to work with that might not realize they could benefit from it are just kind of in a rut and just doing what all their friends are doing or what their parents did and just not really being like, wait, is this what I actually want? Mm -hmm. And so just talking with people to be like, is this what you actually want? And that's kind of what jump-started us traveling because we were like, we're not where we want to be. We shouldn't just stay here just because it's what we know. Mm -hmm. And so just really us implementing that in our own life as well. Yeah. I think a lot of people had that same kind of thought process last year um, when quarantine hit. That's how this podcast came about is because I finally had a chance to like slow down in my life and be like, what the heck am I doing? Um, And so I love that. I want you to talk about how you and your fiance are like hopping around the country. (laughs) Yeah. So we both grew up for the most part he lived in, we're from Richmond, Virginia. And so he lived there his whole life. I lived there most of my life. And I think we just were living there and we, I moved back there with the intention of not living there forever. It's just a really, it's a great city and it was very like comfortable for us, but we were kind of like, we could live. We had this realization, like we could live wherever we wanted. We both have jobs that allow us to do this, which we're really lucky that we do. And I was like, there's the whole country, the whole world. I'm really lucky that my parents don't live where they grew up. I have a sister in Arizona, a brother in Sweden. We're not like, Mm. never felt tied down to one area. And so I kind of always had this idea that maybe after we got married, we would like drive around in a van and figure out where we wanted to live or we would do something. And then when the pandemic happened and Taylor's job was actually remote even before the pandemic. Oh, wow. And 
So, which was very nice. And so then when the pandemic happened, I kind of had to start to shift my mindset for my job to become remote all the time. And then once I kind of got those systems in place, I was like, people don't mind this. And if I need to, mainly for interior design, if I need to go to a client, I can still go to a client's house. We can make it work. And so, but I really haven't had to. I've had all these clients that I have done fully remote. And so our lease was ending and we were just kind of like, let's do this. So we live in Airbnbs and we move about every month. We just started making an Excel list of places that we wanted to explore and we just book at least six months out. And so it'll be about, right now, it'll be about a year right now that we have booked out. And we think after a year, we'll kind of see if any place felt right to settle down. But we just have one car and we have six bins from Costco. And each bin is, I have a clothes bin, he has a clothes bin, the dog has a bin. And we just have our life organized like that. And we really, when we're in these areas, we're still, I mean, we're not taking any time off from work. We're still working full time. So we're really just like living in these areas. It's obviously so doable because you're doing it. But then I think most of us think, oh, I can't do that. I'm like tied down to this. I have work, whatever. So to hear how you guys do that, I think is so fascinating. Do you, are you able to meet new friends in these places? Yeah. So that's been probably the hardest part is that we really haven't. And I think the pandemic has been probably a major part of that. But that's been, I think, one of the hardest things for us is because we're trying to move places, obviously, that like we like the people and we like the atmosphere. And so not really being able to experience that is hard. Mm -hmm. I think we'll go into a grocery store and I'll be like, everyone at the grocery store, it seemed really nice. And he's like, yeah, I think so too. And it's like, that's how we're judging places, which isn't probably the most accurate, (laughs) but I mean, we'll like walk around areas and people watch and we're like, okay, people seem young, but that's definitely been something that we've missed is that we haven't been able to really meet up with people. It's so hard making friends as an adult. It's so hard. And that's one of the, that's also just one of the reasons why I love dearly and the blog aspect of it. Cause you can feel that connection, but yeah, it is really hard and it's hard I think at first for us, we weren't really missing anything because none of our friends were doing anything. Mm. And luckily, like weddings and stuff, we've been able to like plan around it. So we're not missing anything major. But it's like now that our friends are starting to do stuff, it is a little bit hard. Yeah. But kind of missing out on that. But we've been fortunate that it hasn't been much that we've missed out on. Yeah. To go back to the blog, with the community how mm-hmm. have you cultivated that like how have you been able to do that online yeah i i wish i had a better answer for you i don't really know i think <laughs> i like searched for it in different ways like in random like facebook groups for health coaches or facebook groups for designers and i would do stuff like that which honestly wasn't super beneficial for me just because I don't use Facebook a lot Mm -hmm. but it's like that's where these groups are and so 
I just started reaching out to people in those groups to get blog contributors, which I'm pretty sure is how I you and I met. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So um, I just started doing that. And then I just kind of started posting about it. And luckily, I knew people from the health coaching program that I did, and just people from different areas of life who would, if they weren't interested, they would know somebody who was interested. Mm -hmm. And so that really helped having the contributors because then they were sharing it with their friends and families. And even, I mean, people post it on their LinkedIn and then everybody that they work with sees it. And so it's really just been word of mouth. And I think one of the things that works for Dearly is that everyone, when you're starting a business, talks about you have to niche down. You have to have one thing you focus on. And obviously, in our services, like we don't have that. I'm all over the place. I'm in all these different areas, but I think the one thing that stays consistent is the target audience. Mm. And so it is women in their 20s and 30s who they're trying to find a community. They want a resource for all the different things they're interested in. They're multi-passionate. They like health and productivity stuff, but they also appreciate design. And so I think just having one audience that we're writing to is really helpful and it kind of gives you the people to go to. And I I was in Greek life in college. And so trying to find something like similar to that in a sense Mm -hmm. in the adult world um, is also something I kind of pulled from. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you mentioned how niching down is such a thing. It is. Because... I feel like the people I follow don't really fit into a niche, like a right. specific one. Um, or if they are, I'm always thinking, I wish you would share more about these other things too. I think people are just multi-interested in in multiple things. Yeah. And I think that's totally normal. And I think I kind of always struggled with being labeled as a creative mm. because I was like, well, I'm not like a starving artist for lack of a better (laughs) word like I do other things and I don't think I would be as creative as if I didn't yeah and so I think and that's kind of one of the things we focus on in health coaching is kind of those like limiting beliefs and labels it's like try to take those away because you can like it's exciting to try new things and even um, one of the contributors was really passionate about getting into food writing and she'll just write about a meal she had and it totally changes the way I look at food now. Oh wow! And so just little things like that, that can kind of broaden your world. Um, it's just really cool. And I feel like we shouldn't be niching ourselves down if it doesn't feel right. I want to talk about your aesthetic because okay. I have an appreciation for things that look <laughs> good and nice. And it's, I, I mean, I went to a fashion school and so I think I just have always been into like design yeah. and styling and all of that. Um, and I feel like dearly is a good example of how you've created something that you see it. It's a brand, like it's all there. How yeah. do you do that? Like, what is your approach to branding aesthetic, all of that? Yeah. So that was actually that was really hard for me to create an aesthetic for dearly Mm. just because 
I think as a designer, I like working with clients and I like getting to try all these different aesthetics in a sense. So even in branding or an interior design, it's really fun to kind of be like, I want to do this in my house, but I love it and I want to do it in your house. Mm -hmm. And so I really struggled with finding the aesthetic for Dearly, but I just kind of I just sat down one day and I was like, I need to figure this out. I was like, how do I do this for other people? And I really kind of drew from my color theory background and the psychology of things Mm -hmm. and kind of trying to take inspiration from things that I like, but then also just what speaks to people and what like gravitates to people. And so luckily working with different brands and doing branding for them I kind of had an idea of what people liked Mm -hmm. and I think what I definitely know what I like and I kind of just played I mean just played and played with the different ideas until it clicks I think that's kind of been I've always been like this with aesthetics I'll look at something I'll be like no it's not right Mm -hmm. (laughs) or just knowing and I think anyone with an aesthetic eye can kind of do that and it just was a lot of playing around until I was like okay I think this clicks and also giving yourself the space to kind of let your brand be a living thing Mm -hmm. and so I think we're so focused on this is your brand guide and these are the colors you stick to don't go away from them which I do think is important but I also think while you're trying to figure out your brand guide the branding designer is trying all these different things out and they're testing them and so I think it's important when you're working with a brand designer to get to be part of that process so that especially if you are into aesthetics some people don't want to be part of the process they hire an expert and they they trust that you're doing that testing but if you I think people find it to be a little bit more authentic to themselves, especially influencers I work with and bloggers, just because the brand is themselves in Mm -hmm. a way to kind of go through that process and test out different things. I think is really important because once you love it and it sticks, you'll want to use it. And so now I have like my three fonts for dearly and I don't even try to do anything else because I love it. And I'm like, this is correct. Mm -hmm. This is right. But it takes a while to get there and you kind of have to allow yourself to do that. Mm -hmm. Do you create your own graphics? I do. Do you do it all yourself? I do. Okay. Yes. And that's one of the, I've, that's one of the things that my fiance will be like, when are you going to like start outsourcing things like that? I'm like, I don't know. I'm not at that place yet where I feel like comfortable. I think because it is still the rebranding of Dearly is still pretty new. And so I am still kind of working on things. But yeah, I do it all myself. I love doing that. I think it, I don't know, it's like, I'll work on a graphic for a blog post that I wrote. And then I'm like also writing the blog and it's like working on them at the same time kind of like solves the issues for the other one I'm having, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's like all about just like communicating a message. And so like if it's not working in the words that I'm using, I'll start working on the graphic Mm. and then I'll be like, okay, well, what can I take from this and use on the other? I don't know if that's a common (laughs) process people do. But I do kind of like try to pull from different areas of my brain. No. Okay. So I feel like that makes total sense. I feel like sometimes if I'm writing something or like trying to think of podcast topics or whatever, 
I'll be like in the middle of it and then I'll be like, I need to get up and like go outside for a second. And then it like re like the train comes back to my brain. Yeah. I'm the same way. I think taking a break from things and stepping back is really important in a creative process. Cause especially if you're looking at a screen, I think you need, you need a break because it's your head just, it slowly shrinks down to what the possibilities are and taking a break just opens everything back up. Totally. What, or if any struggles, do you feel like you face being self-employed like a one woman show? Yeah. Um, a lot. I think the fact even like calling myself like an entrepreneur, that's a struggle for me. Um, I think I love what I do and I love doing it and I love working with clients and I love the community and that really is what drives me. And so I just focus on that and I love creating things, whether that's, you know, a mood board for a room or even like talking with a client and like figuring out what's going to work for them. And so that's what really drives me. And then I think the things I struggle with is kind of not having like a direction of where things are going all the time. I love to like dream about ideas and stuff, but then actually getting, I guess what I'm trying to say is the difference between like micro thinking and macro thinking and going back and forth. Mm. And so I can be really good for like months of just like day-to-day tasks and getting everything done. But then switching my brain to be like, okay, but what's the bigger vision? Like, what are the goals we're working towards? So kind of going back and forth is something I struggle with. I think definitely kind of doing everything on my own is something I struggled with. Um, And not, I don't know, just like working, having one person to work with. I think honestly, being employed is really underrated right now. Like I would love to have a salary that I just know is going to come in an office that I get to leave at five o'clock. Mm-hmm. Like that is super underrated right now. And like coworkers and retirement contributions, <laughs> like all these things that uh, it's like healthcare, like so underrated. I think everyone right now is trying to start their own thing and I love it, but I do think we are kind of I don't know. It's like you don't realize how much you are losing being self-employed, even just having coworkers. Mm-hmm. It might have been really annoying to have coworkers sometimes, but it's like the little co-work drama, like something else to focus your mind on <laughs> sometimes. And so it's like little things like that that I feel like I definitely miss. So true. Sometimes I have days where it gets, it's like 7 p.m. And I'm like, I don't think I've talked to a single person today. Yeah, totally. And that's what, because it's like, I just have my fiance and my dog here. And so I'm like, I need to, and that's sometimes I'll just go to a coffee shop just to talk to people. Yeah. And that's why I love that. I mean, luckily for me, my job is so like community based. Yeah. And I mean, I'm working with clients, which is awesome. And I love, I think that's honestly one of my favorite parts of health coaching is just having that connection and just seeing how rewarding it is for them. But then also me Mm. is just, it's, I mean, I get so energized from it and I see that they do too. And so 
just human interactions is <laughs> definitely a thing I miss. I get it. I totally mm-hmm. get it. Okay. I want to end on asking you like a few questions of like tips and tricks and tools for people. Yeah. Okay. So first, um, for someone who is entering like a blog space or an influencer mm-hmm. space, a lot of times people hear like it's so oversaturated. Yes. What is your advice to someone who wants to get into that? Yeah, I would say it's not oversaturated for sure. I think there, it's a never ending space. And so, and I think especially blogging right now isn't a huge thing anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think that something powerful about blogging and something that I've been working actually on the branding side of things with a lot of influencers is that you should be more than just a page on Instagram. I think having your own website is that's your own platform that you have ownership over. And so really Instagram should be more of a tool. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of my branding clients are influencers that don't have a website. They just have a little link to affiliate links. And I mean, that's it. And so create, and they really want to move to creating a brand because what if Instagram were to go away one day, Mm -hmm. you don't want to have to rely on that. And so I think really investing in branding and having your own platform is really important and investing in branding that's vision that's vision and mission based so that it's not just pretty colors so that it feels a lot more intentional is really important and I think just making it something that you're passionate about and don't think of it as a job right away so make sure it's something that you want to do is also just such a game changer I love it Okay. What about if somebody needs help implementing a morning or night routine? What would you tell them to start with? Yeah. So I think honestly, there are so many podcasts and blogs of people sharing their morning routines. I would honestly probably start there. If you're just doing this on your own, not with a health coach or anything, I would just do that just to get ideas. I think that just trying to think of like what that could even look like is important. And then I would give yourself, I think two weeks to try something is a good amount of time. And that's what we do with my clients. So try, you know, drinking your coffee before, I don't know, reading your book, Mm. just try doing that. And then if you don't like it, switch it around, just try a schedule for about two weeks and then just try switching things. And be like, do I like getting up early? Like, no, I actually feel more tired. I have that slump in the middle of the day. Then don't do it anymore. Then take your extra time to sleep in. And so I think just it's all trial and error with morning and evening routines. Because it should feel more like a ritual than a to-do list. Mm. And so if it's just feeling like a to-do list and you're just trying to get through to get on to the next thing, then you don't need it in your routine. Totally. I think you should have some benefit there from it. Totally. I love that. Okay. And then the last one is if somebody is trying to develop an aesthetic, where (laughs) should they start? Yeah. 
Um, honestly, Pinterest. Mm. That is, I mean, and I will say Pinterest is the more you use it, the better it gets for you. Absolutely. It's not, it takes a while for Pinterest to be good. And I will say that you can follow me on Pinterest if you need to. It's probably dearly co. I don't know off the top of my head, but it takes a while for your Pinterest to get good. So give it time. Um, But that is honestly where I would start. I would just start pulling things that you like and just creating a little mood board for you. I think that would just at least get the wheels turning and just see what you like. Also use Instagram and just start saving things in the little save Mm -hmm. folder that you like, because that's basically making a mood board for you. And I think that's honestly, I love using Instagram for community and then inspiration like that. I think it's really become a good place for designers right now. And so I would start just doing that, just follow accounts that you like and just save images that you like and start seeing the trends and what's similar amongst those different platforms. I love Pinterest so much. I do too. And people, if you're, they're first starting, they'll be like, I don't get it. I see the same thing over and over again. Yeah. And it does. It does take time. It does, but it, it really is useful. Anytime I have an idea, I make a, a Pinterest board for it. Yeah. And yeah. that's what I always do. I do mood boards for all my clients, branding, interior design, and health coaching, just because having like that visual component It's just, it's inspiring to me. And I think it's inspiring for them as well. And we kind of make sure like, are we on the same page Mm -hmm. about this? And I just, yeah, I, I love all things visual and aesthetic. And so I think pulling from those is really great. Same. Okay. Wait, I have one more question. Yeah. Interior design. What is like Mm -hmm. something you think everyone should have in their house? Oh, that's a good question. I think hmm, something everyone should have. I think having pieces that you love is mm-hmm. obviously important, but I think something that I've really loved right now is the little ottomans that are storage. Mm-hmm. The little poofs that are storage are so great because people, they're just multifunctional. People can sit on them. You can store stuff in them and they're really cute. I think right now I always tell people like there's no reason to have a boring side table. Like there's so many cool like end tables and side tables right now. And same with those poofs. It's like you can make them really fun. And so, and you can move them around as much as you want and use them. I just think they're so fun. It's so funny because I don't have a home to decorate. <laughs> and so I never like shop for myself anymore. And so in shopping from clients, I do a lot of like custom things. And then we're just like shopping like all over. But yeah, I, I would say probably made goods and CB2 right yeah. now are my favorites. And I like looking for, um, so like Lambert a feels it's a canadian brand they're a lighting brand and i think like buying lighting from an actual lighting brand Mm -hmm. is important and so finding like those specialty brands and not just buying everything from one place that's just an interior design tip i have in general is you should have as many different brands in there as you can just having different styles makes it feel like curated 
and it can still be minimal, but like have some eclecticness to it. Mm-hmm. I love, I love that because I feel like it gives rooms texture. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's what, yeah, I always struggle. I don't know what to call my style. Cause I'm like, it's kind of minimal, but it's like, it also has interest and intrigue to it. Like it's not definitely not boring. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, trying like different textures and like, you can be in a small color scheme, but like still have like depth to things. And so, yeah, I definitely like a more like curated look like that. Okay. Where can everybody find you? Where can they check out the blog? Let me know. Yeah. Yeah. So the blog is, well, the dearly website is dearly.co. So it's D E E R L Y dot C O. And then that's also our Instagram handle is dearly.co and everything should be there. Amazing. Yeah. And then if you want to reach out to me specifically, it's just emily at dearly.co. So if you want to talk about like health coaching or um, one thing I will say about health coaching is that I do have that narrow target audience, but if you're interested in health coaching and you're not a woman in your twenties, like kind of figuring stuff out, you can still reach out to me because I do have a list of other health coaches that I know through my program. And so I like to make sure that people get somebody that they'll really benefit from. And so, and that's, I think with all services, make sure you like the people you're working with, test as many people out as possible. Totally. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you.